And so we continue our series this morning called Making Change. And last week we looked at less is more. Today we're going to look at stress is bad. Next week is giving is good. Oh, no, not next week is giving is good because we have a guest speaker. Then it's giving with good after that. And then tomorrow matters. And, and I, I really encourage you that if you can stick with us through this whole entire series, I think God will do something in your life that will transform the way that you handle your finances so that you can have the kind of life that you want. How many people know that stress is bad? How many people know that? That stress is bad. And, and this morning I want to talk to you about financial stress because in all my years that I've been alive and all the years that I've been in church ministry, I've never found anybody come to me and say, hey Craig, I just want you to know that ever since I got in debt, my marriage, it's amazing. My marriage has got so much better since I got into debt. In fact, when I transferred over into a high interest earning credit card with a lot of debt on it, my love life became a hot life. My love life just went to a whole nother level in my marriage. It's like, I've never had such great love in my marriage since I've had this incredible debt on my credit card with this high interest rate. And, and I go to bed every night now thanking God for the debt that I'm in and I just feel so blessed because I've got so much debt in my life and my life has never been so good. I'm just joking, but what I do have is a lot of people come and talk to me and they talk about things like this, man, I'd love to give more and help people, but I just can't afford to. I, I wish I could travel, maybe just one of us, maybe I leave the wife home with the kids and I go travel the world. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's just what she says about me. You know, I don't know about you, but you get tired of being tight financially and fighting and trying to go week to week and month to month, and uh, financial stress is really, really bad. Yes? Talk to me this morning. Financial stress is really, really bad. I know we get all funny when we talk about this sort of thing in church because, honey, can you just pass me the duster and the whiteboard marker that's in the box? Because we, sometimes we kind of get embarrassed when it comes to the money side of things. And we get embarrassed, I think, because if you think about, I don't know about you, but if I think about uh, my life prior to me starting to read some books and getting some great understanding, is I wasn't really taught about money at school. I wasn't really taught about it at home. Is there anybody else I want to talk about? So most of us have learned about how to handle money and our finances and budgets and all that, Purely through trial and error. Come on, is anybody with me this morning? And so the challenging thing is, is this, is that a lot of people don't really understand how money works. Let me, let me give you an example. If you buy a car for $48,000, all right? I know some of you are like, I wish. If you bought a car for $48,000, usually what will happen is you get it over... A five-year period, are you with me this morning, at 13% interest, let's say, all right? How many people here this morning actually realize in five years what you've actually paid for the car? You started at 48000 but in five years, you end up paying $60,000 for a car because it's at 13% interest, and then in five years, it's depreciated so much that it's now only worth $20,000. So you paid $40,000 for a $20,000 car. Doesn't make sense, does it? 
Hello, talk to me. Don't look at me like this this morning. I'm trying to help you. It take, took me until my late 30s. Where did the dust go, darling? Um, took me until my late 30s before I started understanding some of this because nobody ever taught me. Do you know that if you buy a brand new car, the minute it goes off the lot, it depreciates by 20%. So if you pay 48000 for a brand new car, by the time you drive it off the yard, you've just lost $9,600. It's crazy, isn't it? Hello? But we tend to, because we're consumer-driven, we tend to bank ourselves up with debt, not really thinking about what it really costs. And the challenge is, is that there are so many people that just haven't, like me, just were never taught, don't understand, um, and, and we've just never really learned about it. And so what happens is we just, we just kind of feel embarrassed about it, and so it becomes this difficult subject to really talk about, doesn't it? I take that as a yes because nobody's saying, it's all right, calm down, relax, it's all right. I'm, I'm here to hopefully help you this morning. I'm not an expert in finance, but I just want to try and help you a little bit about what I believe God has shown me over the years because it's a really difficult subject to talk about because we've all made mistakes about it and sometimes we can feel incredibly overwhelmed by it all, can't we? You can feel incredibly overwhelmed by just the pressures that it comes. Some of you handle your money really, really well and you're geniuses and we need to get around those people so we can learn from them. But I just want to read you something so you understand how bad debt is. It's in Proverbs 22 verse 7 and it says this, it says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. It says here in scripture that the borrower is a slave to the lender. That means that when you borrow, you put yourself in bondage. Now, I'm not saying it, you know, it'd be awesome if you could pay cash for a house, but the reality is that's not really realistic. But the reality is this, if you own a house and you have a mortgage, you don't own the house. The bank owns the house. You have to make the payments that the bank tells you to make because you're now in bondage to the lender. You're now owe them, and so you're actually in bondage to the one that owes you. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just trying to explain something to you. Even when you borrow money from people, friends or family, you are, biblically, you are now in bondage to them. You, you owe them, and so now you become a slave to the lender. You are in a position that you don't really want to be in. And so, is this making sense this morning? And that's why we say things like, less is more. Because most of us get ourselves into financial stress because we try to live a more is better life rather than a less is more better life. Are you with me? Okay, I'm just not sure with you understanding me. But I just don't want you to live in bondage to someone or live in bondage to your credit card or live in bondage to the finance company. And that's why as your pastor this morning, I ask you that you would just switch on, plug in, lean in this morning as I share some things that I think the Bible shows us clearly about what we can do to relieve the stress of financial pressure on our lives. Because, you know, for a, a while there, Trinity and I, we, we sold our house and cleared whatever debt we had and put the rest in the bank. And, and uh, we were saving uh, over $500 a week towards our next house, uh, you know, which is you don't even pay that off your mortgage every week. And then we went and brought 
a section and, and, you know, and the financial stress comes immediately. Yes, because you now have this bill that you have to pay. It's not that it's, it's, not that it's uh, impossible for us to pay. It's easy for us to pay, but it's just, it's just that you have that bill. When we had the no bills, it was just like the financial freedom was just amazing. It's just fantastic. And I just want you to imagine for a moment, what would it be like for you if you were free from financial stress? Imagine if something broke and you just went and paid cash for it and it wasn't a stress of how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to repair the car or fix the lawnmower or, or, or repair the vacuum cleaner or how are we going to pay for our kids' teeth? Yeah, when they get referred to the orthodontist or should I say the tax collector? I mean, uh, you know, like it's an expensive thing, yes? I worked out so far, I think, and Seth needs some more work orthodontist-wise, but so far I think we spent about fourteen dollars or $15,000 on our two kids' teeth. So they better smile in photos. <laughs> yeah. What would it be like if, if when you wanted to buy something, you were able to pay cash for it and negotiate a better price because you have cash? Come on. What would it be like if you just were able to help people that you wanted to help because you had the spare finances to do it? What would it be like if when it came to going on holiday, it wasn't can we go on holiday, but it's where can we go on holiday? Shall we go to the snow? Shall we go to the mountains? Shall we go to the beach? Imagine if you had these options because financially you got yourself into a position where you actually had options. See, if the practical side of what I'm saying this morning doesn't motivate you, let me speak to the spiritual side for a moment. Jesus said this. He said that if you are faithful with a little, God will give you much. In other words, if you're faithful with what he gives you now and you manage it well and you're faithful with the financial uh, thing that he gives you now, and like, how does God give us finance now? It's called a job. Because nobody's in employment because of your amazing ability and good looks. It's the blessing of God. And, and he puts you into employment. And if you're faithful with what he's given you through your job, with that little, the Bible says that he'll give you much. In other words, he'll add increase into your life if you're faithful of what he's given you. It's no different than parenting, yes? Yeah, I got a beautiful daughter, 16, learning to drive. And I can tell you now, there's going to come a time, probably in about six months, where she turns around and says, can I have the car, please? And I'm going to let her take the car. And while she's faithful with how she treats the car while she has it, she can use it. If she stops being faithful with it and pulling handbrake slides and doing, you know, putting down diesel on the uh, church car park and doing burnouts on a Friday night, then I will withdraw her use of having the car. You, you understand what I'm saying? But if she's faithful with our car, then maybe when we get to a position financial, I might buy her her own car. Because if you're faithful with little, God will give you more. And Jesus is the one that said it. So if the practical side of getting yourself financially free and free from stress doesn't motivate you, let the spiritual side of it motivate you. That if I'm faithful with what God has given me, God will trust me with so much more. And my prayer for all of us, every single one of us, is that we want something different. 
in our worlds in regards to our finances, that we want something better, yes? We want to be in a better position. Why? Because less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. And tomorrow matters in such a way that if we don't look after our finances today, tomorrow will be a problem. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that if we can get our heart aligned with God spiritually, if we can get our heart aligned with God practically, it's so much easier to put things right in our natural world. I'll talk to this side of the church, that might be friendlier. When we get our heart right with God and we align ourselves spiritually, it's so much easier to align our natural world right. It's a good side of the church. This side must be students and teenagers. So let me give you three prayers that you can pray that will help you get out of debt. Are you ready this morning? Three prayers that you can pray. The first one is, God, give me self-control. I didn't swear, I said self-control. All right, I know for some of you it's like a swear word. God, give me self-control. Everybody say after me. Ready? God, give me self-control. Now say it like you believe it. God, give me self-control. Why? Because Proverbs 25, 28 says this, like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. So if you're a city with no protective walls, what does that make you? It makes you vulnerable. You are massively and completely vulnerable from outside attacks. You're vulnerable from uh, all sorts of things. If you don't have walls around your life, you are completely and totally vulnerable. Now, here's the problem that we have. Just about most of us have this problem. We have living on the inside of us a two-year-old. You know, the two-year-old. You remember them, yes? If you're a parent or you've seen them in the supermarket. You know, the, the one where they're going through the checkout aisle and it's, I want a chocolate! I want a chocolate! I want a chocolate! And the mum's like, Honey, um, we're not getting a chocolate today. And, and mum's trying to, or dad's trying to pull it together and make it look like they're a really good parent. But in the meantime, the two-year-old is going berserko, yes? And if you're a parent who's gone through that phase, you look at them and you go, oh, I remember what that was like. I'm so glad I don't have that problem now. Until they're teenagers and older and it comes to birthdays and Christmas. But on the inside of us, we all have this two-year-old that wants the toy, wants the chocolate, want, 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 want. And what we've got to do is we've got to get some self-control where we can lock that kid up. Lock him up. Discipline that child on the inside of you. And don't let that kid in. Basically, we're going to say, God... Give me self-control over the two-year-old on the inside of me. Give me self-control over that. Why? Well, ladies, can I pick on you just for a moment? I'll get to the guys. But can I just say this, that every time you walk past a clearance rack, Jesus, give me self-control. 
Every time you walk past that clearance rack, if you don't have self-control, you are vulnerable. And then what happens is you buy it, and then you think the whole time on the way home, how am I going to justify this? And it always comes out like this, it was on sale. And rather than it costing $100, it was only $75. Now I know it's not within our budget, but it was on sale. (laughs) And you try to convince somebody how much you save when in reality you didn't save, you just spent. And because you brought that stupid little trinket on sale, or a stupid little bracelet, then all of a sudden now I have to buy an outfit to match it. So what was a $5 bracelet now comes into a $100 outfit. God, give me self-control. All the ladies repeat after me. God, give me self-control. I don't think all of you were saying that this morning. There's some women are like, man, I'm not listening to this message. Man, it's the two-year-old on the inside of you. God, give me self-control. And the guys, we're so different, man. We don't buy $5 trinkets and bracelets and say, what we do, man, is we go and buy a boat and then a truck to tow the boat and the holiday home to use it at because, man, when we go big, we go big. We just do the whole, poof, we just blow the whole lot in one hit. Not this $100 a week thing. Let's just do 10 grand and poof, bang. This is what a real, yes? Some of the guys have gone quiet now. They don't like me very much. And guys, what we tend to do is we tend to blow it all at once. And so we need to say to ourselves, God, guys, after me, God. Oh, man, you're worse than the woman. All the men, after me, let's try, show the woman how it's done. God. Give me self-control. Hey? Why do we need self-control? Why? Because the Bible says this, that our value is not in the abundance of our possessions. And so I want everybody in this place to say after me, God, give me self-control. Give me self-control. You've got to get that little kid on the inside of you under control. You've got to learn to say no to that little child on the inside of you. And what you've got to learn to do is you've got to learn to say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your lives. If you can learn to say no for a little while, you can learn to say yes for the rest of your lives. If we can just get ourselves under control now, then you can have the retirement you want in your future. If we can say no now, it allows us to say yes for the rest of our lives. Can I get an amen for that? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you like to get your nails done every week. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about getting your nails done every week. Can I just share this? It just might help you ladies. You get your nails done for other ladies. Because there's not a guy on the face of this planet that goes, hey boys, did you see the nails on that girl? (laughs) Woo! She had like 
polka dots and curls and oh my gosh, her nails are so hot. There's not a guy on the planet that says that. They don't give a stuff about your nails. All right? You do it for the other woman to look at and tell you how amazing your nails are because guys don't care. All right? So you need to learn to what? Say no now so you can say yes for the rest of your life. Guys, you don't have to play golf four times a week. Because let's face it, you've been playing golf four times a week now for about 10 years and it's done nothing for your game. So the best thing you can do is go down to once a week because if you can say no now, you can say yes for the rest of your life. You understand what I'm saying here? Yes? Now, you may enjoy coffee. You don't have to say it now. <laughs> I'm trying to learn to say no to a coffee every day so I can say yes for the rest of my life. Because if you add it up, $5 for a coffee a day is $25 a week, which is $1,200 a year. That if I'm 44 now, in 21 years' time, you know, it's like $23,000, $24,000 that's been spent on coffee. Now, we all understand that coffee is heaven's nectar. And if you ever need the presence of God in your life, coffee is the way. I'm just joking. But I'm trying to learn to say no now so I can say yes for the rest of my life. Everybody repeat after me. God, give me self-control. And you know what? Once you've done that and once you've got the self-control and once you've said no for now so you can say yes for the rest of your life, Go, get your nails done. In fact, take all your mates and pay for theirs too. Join the golf club, play every day, twice a day. But just learn to say no now so we can say yes then. Second thing is we need to pray this prayer. First prayer is God, give me self-control. Second prayer is God, give me understanding. Everyone say after me, God, give me understanding. Because let's be honest, most people just don't understand the numbers financially and how debt works and how it hurts us. Um, but in Hosea 4.6, it says this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. In other words, you could loosely apply that verse by saying that my people are hurt financially because they don't have an understanding of how it works. All right? And this is the challenge in our culture today, when somebody is buying something, when you're buying something, there's usually two questions that you ask. How much deposit and what are the payments? Yes? Hello? When really the question we should be asking is how much is this going to totally cost me? How much is this totally going to cost me? How much does it really cost? So I did some research this week. And I want to try and help you a little bit, right? So let's say you have uh, a credit card debt. I'm so good at writing on the board. You'll be amazed at how good I am. A credit card debt of $16,000. Because some people do, all right? Well, 
And let's just say, because credit card interest rates are pretty high, yes? Let's just say it's 18% is the percentage on your, on your credit card. Now, if you make monthly payments, monthly payments of $250 a month, it will take you 18 years to pay it off. 18 years. In that 18 years, you'll pay a total in interest. Are you with me? Are you ready? Should I have a drum roll? A total interest of this much. $38,049. Which means that you pay a total over 18 years of $54,000. And $89 on a $16,000 debt. <laughs> All right? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> <laughs> now, that's the reality of how it works. And that's why your bank rings you up and says things like, I've noticed your uh, limit is only $3,000. How would you like us to increase it to 10, just in case you have an emergency? Now, what banks know and what we don't understand is that we always live to the level of our income. So if we can whack it up to 10, we generally, because we're consumer-driven and because we don't understand a less is more life and because we lack self-control and lack understanding, we'll generally build that sucker up to the 10 grand limit. It's just a reality. But let me say this. If you invest $16,000, pay this invest in it, $16,000 over 18 years, and, and, let's be really con years, and let's be really conservative at 4% per annum, right? If you do that, right, then you will have, uh, and, and put your... 200, you know, put that in there, you will have, in 18 years, you'll end up with um, $54,848 in your bank account instead of $54,089 that you've paid out. Are you with me today? <laughs> Talk to me. Is this helping? I hope it's helping. But if you invest the $16,000 and you pay your $250 a month on top of it, yeah, which is what you're paying to pay off your visa. That by the end of, uh, if you did that at 4%, if you did that, 16,000 at 250 a month at 4% over 40 years of your life, you will end up with $131,000 towards your retirement. Now, if you're a young person here today, let me just say something. If at the age of 20, if you start putting 4% of your income into KiwiSaver, by the time you retire at 65, you have $310,480 in your KiwiSaver, which works out that if you split that up, say you're gonna to live to 91 years of age, it means for the rest of your life, you will get on top of your uh, pension, you'll get $308 
a week until you're 91 years of age on top of your pension. Now, pension for two people that are retired is about $600 a week. So if there's two of you doing this, by the time you retire, now all of a sudden your income per week up until you're 91 years of age will be $1,200 a week. And by then, you've got a freehold house, you should have no debt, and you're doing really well. I, I'm telling you now, you can live pretty nicely in retirement on $1,200 a week. It's gone really quiet in here. Now, some of you are like, man, I am, and I get this, I am a solo mum, single income. Um, like, it, that's just not possible. Can, can I say this to you? Start somewhere. Start with something. Do something. You, you'll be surprised at how quickly it can accumulate if you just start with something. Uh, I read a book by a guy called Dave Ramsey called Total Money Makeover. He's a Christian in America. He's one of the most sought-after guys in and around finance and stuff like that um, in the Christian world. And he has this whole thing that that the first thing you've got to do is get a $1,000 emergency fund. And so he says this, sell something that you don't use. Go on eBay or go on Trade Me as you've taken the 100 things out of your house that you don't need, put them on their cell and get that $1,000 sitting in your bank account. So when something does broke or the car does break down or it does need tires, you have money sitting there. So you don't have to put it on the credit card and you don't have to do that sort of thing and then replenish it again when it's used. And, and that's just the starting point. But you can do it. It is possible. You've got to do something. You've got to start somewhere. When you understand how money works, it enables you to make it to work for you rather than you work for it. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Most of us go to work and we work for money. What we're going to learn is to put money to work for us. And so the first thing we've got to do is we've got to pray a prayer that says, God, give me self-control. And two, God, give me understanding. Help me to understand how all of this works. Now, I can't give you all of that. I, like I said, I'm not a financial genius. Um, there are some people in our church that are very, very good in this area. And, and there's some great courses around like Cat Money. Uh, Christians Against Poverty do a course called Cat Money. And we're going to try and get that operating here next year. Where we just teach you really practical biblical things that you can do to get rid of the stress. Is that a good idea? Yes? Okay, number three, prayer. First one is God. Give me self-control. Number two is God. Give me understanding. Number three is God. Give me a plan. Give me a plan. Everybody say after me. God, give me self-control. Give me understanding. And give me a plan. Give me a plan. Proverbs, 1, uh, Proverbs 21 verse 5 says this. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. See, here's the thing. You can wander into debt. You just can't wander out of debt. You can stumble into debt, but you can't stumble out of debt. You can mistake your way into debt, but you can't mistake your way out of it. Are you with me this morning? You actually have to have a plan, a proper plan 
that you stick to as hard as it is because God's going to give you self-control. And you stick to that plan and you don't budge on it and you don't move on it. You know, I'm pretty sure that Trinity and I in our first, well, I'm not pretty sure, I know, in our first probably 10 to 15 years of our married life, budgets were just a suggestion. (laughs) Guidelines. Yeah? But, you know, when you start having kids and stuff like that, you realize budgets got to be stuck to. Because if I can say no now, I can say yes later. Yes? What we need is a plan. And here's the thing. Scripture says there that the plan of the diligent leads to profit, which means that having a plan around our finances is both spiritual and scriptural. It's something that we should have. Because we've got to learn to say no for a little while so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. And this is a spiritual thing. It's really, really important. And so we need God to give us wisdom. We need God to give us self-control. We need God to give us understanding. And we need God to give us a plan. And here's the problem. When we go home today, I encourage you, husband and wives or, or individuals, You need to sit down, look at what your income is, look at what your outgoing is, and make a plan. How can I cut back? How can I clear out? And how can I pay off? And have a plan that we're going to do this for three months or six months. Because, you know, if you turn around and say we're going to do this for the rest of our lives, that's really massive. And, And when you're having your bad days, it just seems too far in the distance. But if you can say we're going to do this for a month, and then you've done it for a month. Oh, man, that was awesome. Now we're going to do it for three months. And you start to get yourself into the rhythm of this plan so that it becomes normal for you and not abnormal. The biggest mistake I think that, that Trinity and I made is that when I came to pastor here and the job that I was in was, was paying quite a bit more than when I came here. And that's, that's fine. That's, that's, I'm not upset about that. It's not a problem. The problem is we still tried to live like I was earning the other income. And it took us 12 months to get our habits changed. Yeah, I'm just being honest with you this morning. And then that 12 months accumulated a whole lot of debt that wasn't necessary because you know what? We didn't really have a plan. And so you've got to have your plan and you've got to stick to it. It's gone really quiet. And I know this is really, really tough. I know this is really, really hard for some of us, especially if you're a solo parent. This is tough, man. This is hard. You know, you're going week to week. You're barely getting by on things. But I just believe that if we go to God and we can say, God, give me self-control, give me understanding and give me a plan, that God's plan is not for you to suffer. No, God's plan is not for anyone to suffer. God's plan is for everyone to prosper. Why? Because when we prosper, the Bible says this, that, that, that the prayer of the church was this, that we would have more than enough to give to every good work. I don't know about you, but I'd love to have a life where I've got so much money left over that any need that needs help, I can do. Yeah? That's a great life. That's an awesome life. I hate the pain that financial stress brings to people's lives and And I know from my own experience how painful that is and how worrying it is. I know what it's like to sit up in the middle of the night trying to work out how you can balance things and how you can shift that. And if I take that from there and put that to there and 
and, and you know, you just spend your whole time trying to juggle, and it's just not God's plan for you. If we could just ask God for self-control, if we could just ask God for understanding, if we could just say to God, give me a plan and stick to the plan and trust him, I guarantee you that it'll start to happen. Because whenever you start to do what is right, whenever you start to pursue him, whenever you put him first, whenever you seek him to do the work that he has planned for you, it's amazing how much God honors that. God honors it. He honors your faith in him when you step out and trust him with the plan that he's given you. God honors it. Absolutely honors it. I still sometimes, when I look back at my life, just kind of shake my head to understand how we got to where we are financially when I know what has come in and what has gone out and we somehow have this miraculous leftover. It just, I don't understand it. I don't understand that when I work out what my, when, when we went for a period where Trinity was really sick and I was the only income coming in, that our outgoings were more than our incomings, but somehow we have money left over. I, I, it's, it's just a God thing, yeah? God steps in and God does something, and part of that is about putting him first and bringing your tithes and your offerings in, because the Bible promises that if you look after his house, he looks after your house. It's all part and parcel of that, but... There's other things too about the discipline and the self-control and the understanding and having a plan that you stick to so that God can bless that and God can honor that because you're pushing through. It's amazing how he blesses your faithfulness in the whole thing. It's amazing how fast God can begin to bless our wisdom and right steps and we can see significant changes take place in our lives when we pray to three prayers of God give me self-control. God, give me understanding. God, give me a plan. Everyone say after me, God, give me self-control. God, give me understanding. God, give me a plan. Shall we all say it together all at the same time? (laughs) Shall we say it all together all at the same time? All right, are you ready? One, two, three. God, give me self-control. God, give me understanding. God, give me a plan. There's one other thing that I wanted to mention to you this morning, and that's this, is that there is a debt that you have that has already been paid for. The Bible says this, that sin is a debt, that our sin was a debt towards God. But the Bible also says this, that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid our debt for us. And the first thing that you could do this morning, the most important thing that you could do this morning is if you don't know Jesus, if you've never given your life to him, or maybe you've walked away from him and you're kind of living your own way, the best thing that you could do is get out of that debt this morning. And you can get out of that debt really, really simple just by saying, you know what, I want Jesus to be my Savior. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want Jesus to come into my life. And it's a really, really simple thing because the debt's already been paid that all you have to do is receive payment. And thank Him. Father, I thank You that You've already died for my sin and I ask You to come and cleanse my life and set me free from that debt so that I may live for You for the rest of my life. It's the easiest debt you'll ever pay. 
Because I'm telling you, your bank will never come to you and say, hey, by the way, I've paid your credit card debt for you. It's all good. They don't do that, but Jesus did. Jesus said, I will pay your debt for you. Even yet while you were still sinners and didn't know me and you hated me, I paid your debt for you. And this morning, in this place, if you don't know Jesus or you've walked away from him, I want to tell you, you don't have to stress, you don't have to panic, you don't have to worry. The debt's already been paid. All you've got to do is just receive the payment, which is forgiveness. And you'll be set free from that for the rest of your life. And so can I just get everyone just to close your eyes just for a moment. If you're a Christian in this place, you should be praying because we're talking life and death stuff right now. And I don't know about you, but if I was in this moment and in this significant time, I would want people praying for me. And so if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I, I, just, I just know I need Jesus. I need to get my life right with him. And I just know I need Jesus. I need that debt paid for me. So when no one's looking around, can I just ask you just to put up your hand. And when I see your hand, I'll acknowledge it and ask you to put it down. If you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, just put your hand up or you want to recommit to him this morning. Thank you. And put your hand down. Anybody else this morning? Awesome. Let me just pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you, God, that somebody this morning has said, yeah, no, I want Jesus. So I pray, Father, that you'd come, you'd pour out your presence and your goodness and your grace and your mercy upon their lives, that they would sense your spirit upon them and that they would know that their debt of sin has been fully paid. You'd set them free from that this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.